0: Good afternoon, everyone. I hope that you're enjoying your lunches. My name is Nicole Francis Reynolds, and I serve as the Vice President and Head of Global Government Relations at ServiceNow. Our team is responsible for informing policymakers and regulators here in Washington, D.C., and in parliaments and ministries around the world about ServiceNow and our Now platform and ways in which our platform modernizes internal processes, secures IT infrastructure, and modernizes the delivery of citizen services. How many of you all know that our NOW platform does all those amazing things? Now more than ever, governments around the world are embedding cybersecurity into their IT infrastructure. They are safeguarding critical data from national security threats. They are accounting for their hardware and software assets and implementing tech solutions to predict unusual behaviors that could pose threats to their systems. For example, just last week, the Biden administration released its national cybersecurity strategy to secure the full benefits of a safe, and secure digital ecosystem for all Americans. This strategy comes in addition to the numerous cybersecurity laws passed by the previous Congress. How many of your agencies are implementing a lot of these laws at this point? You all should be clapping, I think. (laughs) Our team asked House Homeland Security Committee Chairman, Mark Green of Tennessee, to share his thoughts about the new cybersecurity laws and ways public-private partnerships can help protect the federal government's infrastructure. Chairman Green was elected to Congress in 2019 and is a combat veteran with a long record working on cybersecurity policy issues. Last Congress, he served as a member of the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Protection and Innovation Subcommittee. He is an advocate for having the federal government address cyber threats, leveraging the public-private sector. Let's pause to hear from Chairman Green.
1: Hello, I'm Congressman Mark Green from Tennessee and the chairman of the House Committee on Homeland Security. I'm honored to have the opportunity to speak to you all about my priorities to address the growing cyber threat in a thoughtful, bipartisan, and strategic manner. As you all know far too well, cyber threats are one of the greatest national security risks of our time. We face these threats from criminal actors and, of course, nation-state adversaries targeting government and private entities alike, including our hospitals, schools, and financial systems. In the 117th Congress, the House of Representatives passed significant cyber legislation and provided CISA with substantial funding to judiciously carry out its mission. Now in the 118th Congress, we will ensure oversight of the implementation of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA's, new authorities and resources. These new authorities have the potential to elevate and bolster CISA within the federal cybersecurity governance infrastructure. But it's imperative that the agency responsibly and purposefully implement them to ensure its success. That's why I intend to focus on oversight through a robust schedule of hearings, briefings, member academies, site visits, and investigations this Congress. In particular, SISA must be strengthened as an information enabler rather than a regulatory agency. The Biden administration and others have talked about cyber as a team sport I agree. Therefore, building partnerships between government and industry is essential. A successful partnership will be based on mutual trust, not some expansive and duplicative regulation. Congress has indicated there is a place for thoughtful, smart regulation. In fact, One of the most significant pieces of cyber legislation in the 117th Congress was the Cyber Incident Reporting for Critical Infrastructure Act of 2022. This legislation will be an important test of CIS's ability to carry out its mission and authorities without overly burdening our industry. It is a big responsibility with the potential for enormous impact on America's cyber readiness and responsiveness. I'm concerned by the recent emphasis on scattershot duplicative regulation coming from the White House and other agencies, rather than focusing on the congressionally mandated incident reporting rulemaking process. The key to building trust is employing harmonization across federal agencies' varying cybersecurity efforts we must clarify federal cybersecurity roles, responsibilities, and regulations to minimize confusion and redundancies across the government. In addition to CISA's responsibilities as a partner with industry, it has an important role to play as the administrator of federal civil executive branch cybersecurity. One of CISA's flagship cybersecurity programs, Einstein, is actually up for reauthorization at the end of this fiscal year. I'm encouraged by CISA's efforts to rethink that program as we shift focus from perimeter security to endpoint detection and response capabilities. CISA needs to increase visibility into the cybersecurity of federal networks, starting with gaining greater fidelity of the assets the federal government has, including all of our software assets. Understanding the potential attack surface within the federal government is crucial. I mean, we can't defend what we can't see. I plan to work with CISA and my partners in Congress to identify the appropriate tools and reforms to improve CISA's visibility across the federal executive branch. Improving our national cybersecurity is of the utmost importance But we cannot ignore the need to hold adversarial nations accountable for any malicious cyber activity. Adversaries like Russia are creating safe havens for bad actors, including ransomware gangs. The persistent threat from China looms over us, particularly through cyber-enabled espionage. and The only way to deter this activity is to respond with strength. This administration must hold these nations accountable through punitive sanctions and other tools at their disposal. In my role as the chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee and as a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, I intend to find ways to address both sides of the cybersecurity challenge, improving our nation's defenses and holding bad actors accountable. these are hard problems that can only be addressed through close partnership between Congress, the administration, and of course, our private sector. I look forward to tackling these issues head on, to strengthen our nation's cybersecurity posture, and to protect our homeland security, economy, and our American way of life. And I want to ask you for more details to see my uh, my Twitter page, Rep. Mark Green. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of your day.
0: We appreciate Chairman Green for taking time to provide us insight. We at ServiceNow want to work more closely with all of your agencies to protect critical data and safeguard the information of all Americans. We also know that cybersecurity is only one part of this very important equation of delivering more modern citizen services. Governments need a robust and skilled workforce to execute its mission. I sat down recently with Congresswoman Terry Sewell of Alabama to discuss this and other important issues. In the interest of full disclosure, I served as her chief of staff years ago, I should say not that long ago, but it actually was, uh, when she first got elected to Congress in 2011. Uh, She serves on the exclusive House Ways and Means Committee. And I will forever be grateful for the opportunity of serving as her chief of staff sitting at the table, learning about how legislation is created and not created, uh, learning how policies are executed all the way through. Um, She was the first African-American woman to be elected to represent Alabama, um, and she represents Selma, Montgomery, Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, and other cities in between. She is an outspoken advocate for job creation, workforce development, skills training, and for providing resources and economic opportunities for her constituents in the 7th Congressional District and across the country. Let's pause to hear my discussion with my former boss, Congresswoman Terry Sewell. Let's talk a little bit about just how best to deliver citizen services in the most efficient way. And I am just so privileged and honored to have served as your Chief of Staff and am now head of global government relations for ServiceNow, and our mission is to make the world of work work better for people. And our CEO, Bill McDermott, says that the world works with ServiceNow, and and he's absolutely right. And and so how can we help? How can the private sector help the government um, get rid of these old legacy software systems um, so that constituents like yours in both the rural and urban parts of Alabama can receive information. You mentioned Social Security, right, and the IRS. And in order to access information, in order to Submit your tax returns. It's such a lot of bureaucracy. Right.
2: And I think right. that the ServiceNow contract with Social Security is a great example. You know, um, when I think about the inefficiencies in government, um, it's, uh, riddled with it. And, and then you think about the really important, um, Proposals of a policy that actually was implemented in the American Rescue Plan, the child tax credit. There were so many folks in my district who never filed taxes, uh, didn't make any enough money to file taxes. And yet here was an opportunity to really lift those those folks out of poverty. Um, but the, the whole bureaucracy around, you know, making sure the federal government knows who you are, knows, uh, you know, how many children you have? Just simple things like that. Um, there just was no infrastructure. So I think that the, the federal government can definitely benefit from modern technology that can help us streamline the process and be able to deliver better services directly to the people, to the American people.
0: And what we're hearing more and more is that we are living in an experience economy mm-hmm. where constituents around the world yeah. expect and deserve to have digital experiences yeah. um seamlessly and securely quickly yeah. right and when we use apps to order food yeah. <laughs> you know it will show you when the food is being prepared and how quickly it will arrive yeah. um at your home and citizens deserve the same when Absolutely. they are applying for benefits disability Absolutely. benefits
2: Absolutely. or veterans right and even their visas i mean i have a a small immigrant population in alabama but nevertheless um, the bureaucracy that is federal government has to be broken down. And I think that in many ways, technology can level the playing field and allow um even the most remote areas be able to have access uh to information, access to services, um, access to benefits. And so I, I'm really excited about the prospects of this bipartisan infrastructure um being able to have so much and so much money that will actually be able to help um you know, constituents all around uh, the country, no matter whether they're in small, rural Alabama Mm -hmm. or in sophisticated New York City, (laughs) it doesn't really matter. So um, that's
0: really great. We are uh, working with the Army um, with regard to on-post housing. And what we're finding is that um, years ago, if there was a problem in a soldier's barracks, Mm -hmm. um, that that soldier had to find the base commander and use some sort of clipboard and write down their issue mm-hmm, and then wait mm-hmm. to have it resolved. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so now with technology, he or she can use the app or their family member while yep. their family is yeah. away serving can use their app yep. um, and register, you know, create the case, the casework for this. Um, and as you mentioned that the issues are common across the world. This is the same sort of experience that soldiers all around the world could right. use. Yep, this is... Um, the same sort of experience that those who live in public housing yeah. could use. Uh, and we've learned recently that, um, you know, but for some sort of app that tenants uh, could use, residents could use in public housing in the Bronx or in Philadelphia, um, we could have possibly prevented something like these tragic fires that have taken place um and and so technology can be used replicated around the world absolutely you know, with universities. and we have to also
2: break down barriers of fear or phobias around technology yes. um when i think about communities of color um you know while we are very agile with our phone i i, I had a i had a some trouble bringing my senior citizens along, uh, when it comes to telehealth or when it comes to, um, being able to access, um, the, the great information they need on an app, Mm -hmm. um, or sign up for benefits on an app, you know,
0: tell me about the work that you're doing to prepare this next generation for these 21st century jobs that you're hearing about from companies in your district. Well,
2: you know, um, leveraging these amazing companies in my district and trying to get more internship and apprenticeship programs, workforce development. Um, it's a win-win for the corporation because they get a chance to help develop new talent and potentially new employees. And it's the the perfect way to help uh, students actually uh, attain a skill and be able to get good jobs, right? Um, I think about my district uh, with all the HBCUs that are in my district: Alabama State, my mom, the Alabama State University where my mom and dad went to school, Miles College and Lawson mm-hmm. State, and creating partnerships between Honda and 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 my and 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 yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. and Mercedes mm-hmm. and Shelton 12c. State. Um, those are the things that are within my realm. You know, it's hard to pass legislation to get 218 people to agree, Um, but it's easy to uh, convene roundtable discussions with presidents of your colleges and uh, the head of the the, uh, Mercedes-Benz facility to talk about apprenticeship programs and partnering with one another. I do believe that uh, making sure that we are getting the best talent means that we are promoting our historically black colleges and our minority-serving institutions. they uh they are the, the the reason why we have black doctors and black lawyers today yes. and they're still relevant today i think about uh all of the, the 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 amazing folks that are in the black colleges in my in my district and so i think that the best way that we can prepare them for the future is working with industry uh developing public uh, private partnerships that promote skills training workforce development that actually will um develop the, the next Nicole Francis's of the world. And that's how we move it and pay it forward, frankly.
0: So in addition to learning about cybersecurity and workforce development from Congresswoman Sewell, if you looked at the background in the video, I learned about frames and matting them and positioning along the walls and flags and etc. Um, flag requests are big Um, components to the constituent services but to members of Congress, all the wonderful pictures that they take with many of you and and your cabinet secretaries and lobbyists including Fred Griffey who's here today um, and staff, um, they treasure those and so I learned so much about uh, framing and and matting the uh, the frames. Um, As you heard from both Chairman Green and Congresswoman Sewell, we are stronger when we work together. ServiceNow's mission is to make the world work for people, all people, and that includes governments. We want to help make government work for those you all serve. And to all of you, thank you for listening and watching. And we hope that you enjoy the rest of your lunch um, and the rest of this amazing Fed Forum, and we look forward to working more closely with all of you to execute your mission. Thank you.